Hello, and welcome to the Spirit Guide Society podcast. My name is Stephanie Aguilar, and I am not your spirit guide. I'm your co-curator. I'm Pedro's co-curator, the one responsible for booking all the delicious brands that you love. Tonight in the Rum Society at Caña Rum Bar, we had William Grant & Sons Rum Cast Finished Whiskies with Jennifer Wren. Jennifer Wren was lovely enough to bring all these awesome whiskeys finished in rum cast because we can be friends here, right? Rum, whiskey, they make a beautiful combination. I recommend you try it, but not all in one night, unless you have supervision. That night, they drank through the Toolmore Dew XO, the Balvenie 14 Caribbean cask. They also included the proprietary Caribbean rum blend, the Glenfiddich 21 Gran Reserva, and the Glenfiddich Fire and Cane. Always remember to enjoy this podcast responsibly. That means if you can't find our podcast anywhere you Google search, you've probably had one too many rums. Yeah. All right, all right. <laughs> Welcome to the Rum Society, everyone. That's the first time we've done the slow clap with the jump. Because if we get the whole crowd bouncing in here, then, then we're getting drunk and doing aerobics at the same time. It's, it, they start to counterbalance each other at that point, which is a good thing. All right, but... Tonight's a special night in the Rum Society because, of course, we have Urban, who's always here at the Rum Society. Oh, yeah. Our general manager. Oh, I'm against having whiskey in my house here, oh. but it's a special occasion to oh. do with it. That's right. Uh, so you're gonna allow me to blaspheme yeah, in, your, in your house of rum <laughs> so it's a special night here in the rum society because we're actually going to be tasting whiskeys excuse you no i'm kidding it's all right, it's all right you know sometimes no it's okay it was a stool, not your stool. Um, yeah, it's cool. Hang with me, guys. You got to be quick. This is early for me, so you guys, you better keep up here, all right? No, but uh, we're going to be tasting whiskeys that have been finished in rum casks. That's where the connection comes in. And what, why is that so crazy? It's a cool thing. So, yeah, um, whiskey finished in rum, it brings a lot of unique characters to the flavor profile of the whiskeys. So this is a chance for us to kind of like cross pollinate the two audiences. We have our hardcore whiskey society folks who have strolled over from Seven Grand. They're here with us too. Thank you. We got them in a rainy night in LA. I don't know how they did it. They're like, it's a puddle. What do I do? What do I do? I'm waiting. Do I don't know how this works. Call an Uber. Yeah, call an Uber. Wait, there's a puddle between me and the car. What happens here? No. Drives five feet. But for you Rum Society folks, this is a chance to kind of learn about some whiskeys as well. So hopefully we'll start to gain fans on both sides of the liquor fence. If I may, before we get started, should we? Talk about barrels. What is a barrel? What uniqueness is barrel bring to the spirits? Sure. Before we start, some I don't know. I've been here. I don't know anything about barrels. Yeah, anything about barrels? I don't believe that. It's called leading the conversation, which I like it, Urban. Way to go, bro. King of the segue. What a good segue. Right. Yeah, talk about barrels, Jennifer. So I I think the biggest thing, uh, you know, uh, when we talk about like uh, like the the barrel life, right, and whiskey, it's it is very similar to rum in that we're drawing so much of our flavors and aromas from those barrels. We can do a lot when it comes, especially, so we're drinking a lot of single malt tonight and we're drinking an Irish whiskey. Um, I said that like it was a bad thing. I was like, we're drinking single malt and an Irish whiskey. Um, yeah. But the point being that- I love Irish I whiskey. I love Irish whiskey, right? 
We can do so many things with fermentation and so many things with distillation. Um, and grain choice, ultimately, mm -hmm. especially in American whiskey, you know, your mash bills, everything. But really what it comes down to is the maturation segment. Uh, what we choose to mature that spirit in, how long, and then what we choose to finish that spirit in. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what we're talking tonight is about finishing. Because the first maturation, at least for the William Grant & Sons portfolio, is often the first step to a great whiskey. The finishing is really where we shine. It was something that was you know, developed uh, at the William Grant & Sons distilleries that we're enormously proud of. Um, and they tend to say that whiskey gets about 90% of its character from the barrel. Um, I'm kind of, I kind of agree with that. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of in that world. No, no, you're looking a little bit like he's like. I'm not so sure. So tell me it what depends, you think. Well, it depends yeah. on the the fermentation a lot. I think Absolutely. there's a lot of flavors that can come yeah. that are caused by the yeast and the fermentation, and of course the mash bill. When it comes to something like when you're just talking about single malt, where there's just one ingredient in that bottle, right? Well, then yes, the, I would think that the maturation has a, a huge, huge effect on that. But when you use a variance of grains in your mash bill, I think there's more opportunity for that flavor profile to be a little more different. So it might drop down to like 70% of the flavor and the color come yeah, from the and barrel. We you know? are going to talk a little bit about the differences in fermentation when we taste one, like two of the whiskeys tonight are actually finished in the same style of rum, the same kind of rum, but they are vastly different whiskeys. And then, then what does that tell you? It tells you that despite the, the rum being similar, the maturation only can work off of what's created in the fermentation and distillation. So I, I feel like we just keep rhyming over and over again. But the point being, I will bring that up a little bit because two of our whiskeys are, the fermentation is very different. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. so we'll get into that. Um, but going back to Urban's question about like what a barrel is, most of all the spirits you've ever had in your life, if it's What's a brown a spirit, it comes out of a used bourbon cask. Because yeah. in America, we've got the rule that if you're going to call it a bourbon, it has to be a charred white oak barrel that's being used for the first time, which means that everybody else gets to buy our recycled barrels to start their spirits off in. So rums usually start off in used bourbon casks, mm -hmm. even tequilas, reposados, and añejos. They're usually resting in used bourbon casks. The same for scotch, Irish, Japanese. They're usually buying these used bourbon barrels and using them to start the maturation process of their distillates. That means right now there are container ships crossing the Atlantic that are full of barrels that have pretty much just air in them. But yeah. it's the craft of barrel making is so intense. Like It's such a high level of craft that rather than take them apart, pile up the staves and try to put them all back together at your distillery, no, it's much more intelligent to keep that barrel whole. I actually got to correct you just for us. This you guys, we'll go back you guys to this. take them apart? We have an on-site cooperage at Balvenie. Very rare. Yes, that services both the Balvenie and the there. Yes, you have. I saw them it's do so it. It's so great. Um, but so we actually decided a long time ago to do like the IKEA flat pack because we have the resources to reassemble where sometimes other distilleries don't have the resources Most to of the time they don't. Yeah. And, and like I said, the, the craft is such a high level of craft that you have to pay those coopers a lot of money to do what they do. Yes, and guys, I don't know if you know this, but but coopering is is really one of those ancient, and to, to steal a Balvenie phrase, a rare craft. Um, it, it takes about a six-year internship just to get up to the speed where you can actually make a living or be called a cooper. And I, in, in our case, young men and women come to our cooperage and they study under our head cooper, 
um, Ian McDonald. Uh, he's only about what, like five feet tall. We like to call him the Mini Cooper. That's the old joke. Uh, wow, wow. <laughs> but uh, I'm here all night, guys. Uh, but uh, he's but, very well engineered, if you know what I mean. Right, but it, <laughs> amazing. But it's a real honor uh, to to come to someone like Ian, who has such an incredible heritage of coopering. Um, and to work so hard to earn that skill. And then once you do, I mean, you're, you're imminently employable across Scotland. Uh, the thing is, though, that, that most distilleries don't, can't brag that they have that on-site uh, help. And a lot of other distilleries come to us in Scotland and have us work on their barrels or do repair work for them. And it's something we're enormously proud of. But I was also going to say, too, it's not just um, uh, American oak grows quickly. It has a ton of flavor, so it's not just that the Scottish are cheap and we're like we don't want to buy, you know, the uh, the uh, uh, European oak barrels. It's actually a really, really malleable wood that that brings so much to the spirits that it works with. Mm -hmm. So we're always proud. And for Glenfiddich in particular, um, we decided a long time ago when Brian Kensman, our master blender, took over, that we wanted our flavor profile to be American oak forward. We found, or Brian found, that Glenfiddich really shines in American oak, mm -hmm. and it was it was the kind of the, the flavor that he kind of wanted to put his stamp on on the the brand with. Mm -hmm. um, so we keep moving more and more towards using more and more American oak, um, and that's just you know that's just our vibe. I think you know if you think about some other whiskeys like Macallan or Glenfarclas, they're actively searching for a sherry forward profile, mm -hmm. but that's that's not what we want to do, and it's not really about cost; it's about taste. So, yeah. yeah, and well, you're going for that American market. I think that if you use American oak, right. we love bourbons and ryes here sure in America. Do. So you're kind of appealing to that <laughs> sector of the crowd, something that's not as intensely fruity as the sherry, but brings those vanilla and caramel, chocolatey kind of absolutely, notes that come absolutely. from the American oak. And a lot of what we're going to be trying tonight, I don't want to keep them like dry for too long. No, they, 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 they cool. want some whiskey. They do. Um, but a lot of what we're trying tonight is very American oak forward. Um, so you guys are going to get a lot of that flavor happening. Um, and I, I maybe want to start with the first one, I guess? Yeah, well, Shaggy's yeah. going to come out right now. Shaggy, Shaggy and Kelvin are coming around. Bring it out. What's yeah. Actually, I've heard of this thing yeah. called yeah. a limousine cask. Yes. Right. What is that? A limousine cask is a barrel that comes with a chauffeur. Yes. Oh, cool. no, it's very no, expensive. No, no, it's not. It's not. It's like it's a Kardashian cask. Oh, no, no. Limousine yeah. oak is a varietal yeah, of, it's, of it's French oak. Varietal French oak. American oak that we just talked about brings those like vanilla and caramel. Yeah. What to you, what does limousine oak or French oak bring to the flavor profile in a whiskey? Well, okay, I'm not incredibly well versed because we don't tend to use French oak uh, in abundance. We tend to use like Spanish oak, okay. especially um, ex-cherry, you know, Olorosa cask. But the, the biggest difference that I can say in, you know, from my knowledge is if you're talking about American oak, the, literally the cells of, of the, the, the oak is very, they're very wide and they're very big. And so it allows not only the oak to be very malleable, but it allows a lot of the, the big flavors to pass through. The, the oak that comes from Europe, the cells are much, much more tightly packed and the trees um, don't deal with weather very well. So what that means is when you're, you're making a European oak cask, it takes a lot more time to really get the richness of flavor out of that cask. So when you're using those casks, you tend to want your spirit to hang out in them a little bit longer. So we don't tend to like do a three-year French oak cask. We're going we're to more tend to do a 12-year, 14-year, 15-year French oak cask, whereas we can get the flavor faster in American oak. Mm -hmm. Now, for limousine in particular, I'm not that well-versed, honestly. That'd be a great question for someone like um, Alison Patel, who you know works in cognac casks. Yeah. We'll get her in there. But uh, the yeah. Spanish oak and the French oak, in terms of the wood themselves, are more similar than 
Absolutely, because they're they're both going to be the European exactly. style. Exactly, yeah. Quercus Roba, yeah, versus as opposed Quercus to Quercus Alba. Yeah. So, so what okay, is this guys. first spirit that we have in our hand now, here? Now, the best part of tonight, and I, I mean this is a metaphor, by the way, you're seeing me with my pants down because as the Glenfiddich <laughs> ambassador, right, right. Um, hey, I, take it easy. Your also, husband's standing right know, here. All right. Uh, yeah, you guys. I gotta say, my husband never gets to come to any of my tastings, so it's really nice to have him here in the room. Um, baby, this is what I do when I'm not at home. So, uh, <laughs> among other things. Uh, so that being said, um, I don't often get to talk about the William Grant portfolio whiskey. So this is a kind of a fun night, because I'm not just talking about Glenfiddich. But the best part about working in the William Grant portfolio whiskeys is our master blender, Brian Kinsman, is also the master blender for the first whiskey that we're trying tonight. So there's a lot of overlap not only in the whiskey that Brian handles, but in sort of the, the legacy of master blending within our company. So we are a 131, almost 32-year-old family-owned company, six generations dating back to our founder, Mr. William Grant. We are also, for Glenfiddich in particular, and Tully, on our sixth generation master blender. So we've had as many generations of families as we have had master blenders oversee our whiskey. So, the first one we have tonight is the one I feel the most neurotic about because I had the, a real quick learning curve on Tully. This is Tullamore Dew XO, okay? Now, the newly appointed ambassador for Tullamore Dew in LA, Donna, wants me to impart to you, this was very funny, this is a cocktail Irish whiskey. She was very worried about you trying it neat. And I was like, no, these guys are fine. I was like, do not worry. These guys try amazing things. So what this is, when we talk about Irish whiskey, Irish whiskey on the whole is a blend of several different kinds of grains. And for Tullamore in particular, we, and I like to make the joke of the Irish, it's the power of three. Um, power of three. So we actually have three kinds of grains in here. We have what they call golden grain. So this is our grain whiskey uh, that has been distilled in a coffee still. We have our single malt that's been distilled in a pot still. And then we also have our pot still that is a combination of malted and unmalted barley. Now we take all three of those and they are triple distilled in pot stills. So three kinds of grain, three kinds of distillation. And then we're also putting it in three different kinds of barrels, okay? So the first barrel is what they is often referred to as a traditional Irish whiskey barrel. Um, basically, this is an oak barrel that has had Irish whiskey in it before, and then we are putting Tullamore Dew in it, okay? The second one is a First Fill X Bourbon American cask, and the second is an X Sherry, or excuse me, the third is an X Sherry Olorosa cask. So you're getting, like, all, with, in every stage of making this whiskey, there's a lot of depth coming into it. From the grain, you're getting the sweetness. I feel like I'm gonna hit a candle, no, that's just a glass. Um, from the grain, you're getting a sweetness. From the single malt, you're getting the depth. From the pot still, you're getting that spice, because that unmalted barley really brings that kind of spice game. Mm -hmm. A little nutty note little, in there as well. Yeah, a little nutty <laughs> note. Now, I'm loving this. I have not had a lot of time with this whiskey. So I am almost, I've only had this about once before being here tonight. So when, it when we talk about the rum, now the rum part of tonight, the equation, I am not a rum girl, you guys. I don't. I don't really even like rum. I think oh I'm my goodness! Oh, oh, it's terrible. You're in the house of rum. There are few and you gotta, far between. You gotta try to I love know. rum tonight. You gotta right? pour me something, right? Oh my! Um, You're standing next to Urban, you know. He can I know. I'm sorry, Urban. I'm sorry. I told 
you, I was blaspheming in the house of rum. So uh, well, the point being, the, the rum learning curve for me um, has been a steep one because it's not the first spirit that I was, you know, into. But I was also assured that between Urban and Pedro that we would like have a good rum presence here. Oh yeah. So here's the story, and I'm going to be a little bit frustrating. I can tell you what some of these rums are, and I can't tell you what some of these rums are, but I can be very specific on this one. The rum that is used for the casks is from Guiana, and it is from the same distillery that makes El Dorado. Okay. Okay, so that's what you're looking at. It's a Demerara-style rum. Now, what we do, and this is going to be a very common theme tonight, we actually go down to South America, we take the unaged Demerara and we bring it up to Scotland. This is going to be a very common theme tonight. We don't bring the barrels, we actually bring the liquid. We put that liquid in ex-bourbon American oak and we leave it in there for just about four and a half months. Okay, so right around four and a half months. We then take that liquid out, we take it or sell it back to Guiana because now it's a slightly aged rum, and we put the Tullamore Dew XO in that cask for just about 4.5 months. The reason we decided to do this, and I'm gonna go back to it again for our second whiskey tonight, we want very strict control over our casks. And rum casks don't tend to always have a similar quality. And I'm gonna go back to this in a little bit. So we decided at a certain point to deal with the liquid, not the cask. Mm -hmm. And allow the control of having a very, very, very ideal cask, but to take the rum and all the funkiness of that rum. Now, I don't know if you guys want to add a little bit about a Demerara style from Guiana or El Dorado specifically. Because, that distillery has yeah. a number of different kinds of stills there, which is kind of what makes them unique. They have a bunch of heritage stills, which like four or five different mm. kinds of stills. Some of the oldest stills over 200 years old. Mm -hmm. they, they still have a wooden... A, wood, awesome. a working wooden pot still that was brought over yeah, like 200 still. years ago. Yeah, the, a Versailles still from France that was brought over. So the El Dorado Distillery or the Demerara Distillery mm. is the known for these amazing heritage stills. Well, yeah. I will be very clear. Uh, one of the things to think about tonight is most of the rum we use uh, that we, you know, we we actually source from these guys. It's not meant to be drunk. The whole point is we're looking for rums that have a really big aggression almost. Mm -hmm. So to temper that cask, mm -hmm. um, they're going to be much weirder. They're going to be much like, I don't know, hotter, I guess. Funkier. Um, funky. We're going to come back to the funky. Um, and in particular, guys, from what we're tasting tonight, this is the whiskey that is going to show off the most rum finishing across the board. This is The rum is so apparent here. Um, and you call this XO, which means in the cognac world, that would mean extra old. Mm -hmm. But there's no age statement here. Do you have a sense of how old is the Irish whiskey that goes into these rum casks? I do. I was actually able, I was able to clear a specific age. So uh, Telemore XO does not have an age statement on it, but I was given permission to say it's between 5 and 10 years old. <laughs> Sorry, that's Which, marketing. Yeah, so <laughs> it's the first time I've ever heard a five-year-old called extra old. But, right. Uh, <laughs> well, the, well, the the what came down from the heavens tonight, hashtag Donna in Seattle, uh, was it's it's closer to the ten than it is the five. Okay. But they can't they can't give you a specific year. All right. So, so yeah. Irish whiskey finished in a rum cast. Stick your nose in this glass, breathe in gently through your mouth, okay? So a lot of, if it's your first time doing a tasting, if you stick your nose in the glass with your mouth shut and just take a really deep whip, 
you might just get kind of a singular note, which is like, right. smells like fire or <laughs> smells like alcohol. You're not wrong. That is true. There's definitely alcohol Absolutely. going up your nose. The thing is, you want to slow that all down so we can think about what food words you're reminded of. Or it could be flowers. Or it could be a place you've been. So go slow. Stick your nose in that glass. Breathe in gently through your mouth. And think about what you're reminded of because your ability to smell and taste comes from memory, all right? What you're reminded of. Oh, um, she's good. She's no, good. I was going to say, I, I recently became a, a big fan of the reverse uh, uh, breath also, and this is just something I've been doing recently. You actually take a little bit of the whiskey in your mouth, you really switch it around your tongue, and while it is still in your mouth, like actually try to breathe, don't choke, but breathe and then exhale through your nose. If um, you're a beginner, don't do that because you might just you die. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a fun, you know, it's a fun thing because you're actually um, accessing, uh, you know, all, all of those receptors from a different way. It's, it's your retronasal, retro your yes, retronasal retro experience. You're using your polymodal nociceptors. Yeah. I got to say that hey, twice in one night. Don't scare them. This I'm, is terrible. It's cool. I'm king of the nerds. Be <laughs> very afraid. King ah. of the mole people. Okay, so while you guys are finishing up this dram, we call it a dram in the whiskey world. I don't know. What Do you guys call it a dram in the rum world? What do you call it? Um, we call it a sherry glass of fun. A sherry glass of fun. Um, I'm going to wax poetic for a second about the next one we're about to try. So remember I mentioned our master distiller, Mr. Brian Kensman. So Mr. Brian Kensman, I like to call him Mr. Brian Kensman, by the way. He also enjoys that. Um, was educated by one of the most famous men in the history of single malt whiskey. He is the longest serving master blender in the world. He is a member of the British Empire, awarded by Queen Elizabeth II for his service to the whiskey industry. Can anybody name this man that's not David Laird? This is like an industry insider question You guys here. got this. Like, whiskey guys, come on. The most famous master blender in the history of single malt. Longest serving master blender. David Stewart. David Stewart. <laughs> David Hasselhoff. David Hasselhoff, you guys. Not David Hasselhoff. Um, no, I don't think David Hasselhoff's drinking anymore. So, uh, but David Stewart. <laughs> um, sorry, I apologize, Mr. Hasselhoff. Respect, respect. But um, David Stewart, guys. So when we call out the hollowed name of David Stewart, it's not just because he works for William Grant Sons, although we're very proud of that is because he is truly a master of his craft. I mean, like, like hands down, he is a god among men when it comes to master blending. The reason I am calling out his hallowed name is the reason we are here tonight is because of David Stewart. And David Stewart was the teacher of Brian Kinsman. So Brian Kinsman was his chosen uh, protege. Um, and everything that Brian learned, he learned from David Stewart. Now, the reason this matters is in the very early 80s, David Stewart started experimenting with a little thing called cask finishing, okay? Everything you know about the modern whiskey industry is derived from the art of cask finishing. It was literally, it changed the world of whiskey. And th this is the idea, basically. You're gonna take some liquor, whiskey, that's in a barrel, and you're gonna mature it in this barrel, and then you're gonna take that and put it in a second barrel. It's like magic. I know it sounds so simple, 
But the difference in what David was doing was not just randomly moving liquid to liquid to liquid. He was actually moving liquid from one barrel to another with a very specific intention. And that intention was to use a shorter maturation in the second barrel to create some specific pl flavor profile. Ooh. What he did is in 1983, he released the first finished whiskey ever in the history of the world, the Balvini Classic. That is now known across the world as Balvini Doublewood. So it was basically an aging process in an ex-bourbon American cask and then a finishing in an ex-sherry European oak cask, okay? But this is where the story gets really uh, pertinent to our evening tonight. David was one of the first people to ever experiment finishing whiskey in rum casks. So in 2009, he finally unleashed upon the world um, the idea of this rum cask finished whiskey. And that is the whiskey that you have in your hand right now. So this is called Balvany Caribbean cask. I keep hitting, I keep we, thinking we, we, we go too fast. Oh, I'm sorry. You want to okay, slow down? We didn't even talk about the XO and how it tasted. Oh, what but are we you can. Getting, yeah, come we on. can talk about the XO. <laughs> See, this is, now they have the bubbing. Well, oh, I'm, I'm still, sorry, guys, I'm still trying here. to love my Irish whiskey, all right? Don't be so Scottish. <laughs> I can't help so it. So damn Scottish, I think I'm right? a little single malt, like, bias. I'll let you know like, there's some there. Irish people in the room who might be named Shanahan or something weird like that. Your first this, name's Pedro. Right. It's a multicultural world, all right? Okay. Once that's... they start mixing, you can't undo it, baby, yes. so get over it, all right? That's why you got that great head of hair right there. No, hey, no, no, that's no. a wig. Oh, all right, okay. no. <laughs> Tap it over your Mine tongue. See, um... I told you, it's a wig. Um, Tap it over your tongue. And then... Uh, Take a moment. Yeah, yeah. Tell me what you're experiencing. Share some food words here, guys. What are you guys getting? Food words. I know a food cheat word because... Uh, one of my dearest friends and, and uh, Belvini ambassadors in the room, I know what he always says. Raisin. Ooh. Raisin, okay. Apple cider. Mm. Apple cider? Pear. Pear, excellent. What else? Brown butter and graham crackers. Brown oh, yeah. butter and graham crackers, that's brilliant. That's what I was getting off the, the Belvini as well, I think. Yeah, definitely brown butter. But I'm still lingering on that first one. I'm over here in Tullamore Du XO world. I'm getting some citrus. I'm getting some, um, that golden raisin. I get yeah. like raisin notes from the rum cask. I totally me. do. And guys, if you have the luxury of having both glasses, I do recommend going back and forth. Mm -hmm. Because the Telemore Duxo is going to have a lot of spice, uh, whereas the Balvenie is going to be very clean and sweet and deep. Yeah. Bag of gummy bears. Bag of gummy bears. Nice. That's my drag name. Wow. <laughs> 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 Okay, the age statement. So the Caribbean cask is 14 years old. Uh, very specific age statement. Um, and I do want to give I want to give a little bit of history of the Caribbean cask, okay. which is that when this was first, uh, you know, uh, sprung from the mind of Zeus, David, um, it it was de designed to be Cuban cask. And what we were doing at the time is we were actually sourcing Cuban rum casks. Now remember, I said we we now only source liquid, but in the beginning, um, when David created the world we were sourcing the casks. And the problem was cask inconsistency. Mm -hmm. So even though we had the cooperage, we were doing a lot of work to get those casks backed up, up to speed. The second problem we had is with the American embargo for Cuban products, we suddenly found out we could not sell Balvini Cuban cask in America. That's a big problem. You guys are the number one consumer of whiskey in the world. 
So after a little while, they decided to forego the casks and to actually source a proprietary blend of Caribbean rums to create a proprietary blend to bring that unaged rum up to the distillery, put in ex-bourbon American oak casks, let it sit just like the Tele XO, and then have that cast tempered and then put the um, Balvenie in there for just under six months. So no longer Cuban rum. No longer, well, I can't exactly say that. Oh. It's, a, it's, a, it's a proprietary blend from oh, okay. up to three islands. Okay. But the cool thing about... You can't tell us the three islands? I can't tell you the three islands. But Urban probably can. Urban. Well, I can tell you what the other place is doing. There's a lot Cuban of Jamaican... There's some Jamaican rum in this blend. It's a little Jamaican okay, rum. Okay, okay. Right? The goal was dry and floral. Okay. So, so for this for this particular uh, Balvany 14, dry and floral. And what it does with the whiskey, and I hope you guys are enjoying the whiskey experience tonight, is that it allows this particular whiskey to create more of like almost like a citrus with like some milk chocolate notes, a little kind of playing, especially, um, David, I'm gonna call him out, like to do this trick where you drink the whiskey, and then as you're drinking the whiskey, put, the, put your tongue on the tip or the top of your mouth, and, and then breathe in a little bit, and you're gonna get that chocolate orange note. So try it out, guys. Stick your nose in that glass, tap some over your tongue, use your retronasal breathing and your polymodal <laughs> nociceptors. Yeah. Get in there. Tell me what you're experiencing. Share your experience. No wrong answers. It's a community forum in order to deepen your experience. What are you guys getting? Kim, what are you getting on this one? Tangerine. Yeah. Tangerine, beautiful. Definitely tangerine. Johnny, you got anything for me? Citrus. Yeah. I think for me, the, the chocolate notes tend to be bitter. Um, and they tend to come out when I've been drinking it for a little bit. Mm. It's not on the first taste ever. Mm. It's always kind mm -hmm. of like when it's, mm -hmm. it, it's mellowed out or heated up a little bit in my hand. Um, so Pedro's going to get some, and I am rushing you guys because we have a lot to taste tonight. Yeah. And, Don't rush, because um, the longer we stay here, the longer before I have to go back to Bar Jackalope. Thank you, sir. <laughs> She's great for me. Not so great for the people working at Bar Jackalope. Um, but we love Bar Jackalope. Um, and service is going to be great soon. No. Um, <laughs> I, I'm getting like raisinettes, but with yeah. dark chocolate, like raisins yeah. with dark chocolate, like dark raisins, not golden raisins, and then a really beautiful dark chocolate, and a little bit of orange zest in there as well. Mm. Really strong vanillas. I mean, That's I, a beautiful whiskey. I even get like a little hint of lemon at the very end, like a little of a lemon zest, um, a, a riding on the orange. Um, but no, the treat tonight, guys, besides the whiskey that we're tasting, is I brought you guys something that only I can get. Um, it's you, not Kevin. something that's sold here at Kanye or sold anywhere. I actually have the rum with which we finish these casks. Right. And the next whiskey we're gonna try, it's the same exact rum. So guys, please so, hold on to this glass and we're gonna share the rum with you as well so and, you can contrast and compare. And this is the only Balvenie that's finished in a rum cask. It is the only so Balvenie finished Balvenie in a rum cask. Balvenie 14 Caribbean, Caribbean cask, cask finish. You can find it at your local liquor store. What is this going to run me if I'm a rum fan, but sure. I want some rum finished whiskeys in my collection at my bar at home? What is this going to run me at the liquor well, store? Well, the first one we tried is going to be something right around $38. So TeleXO around $38. David, do you know the, the average price of Albany Caribbean cast? About $75. Mm -hmm. OK. So pretty much everything we try tonight, excepting the next one, is going to be under 100 which is great. Because like, you know, I mean, 
if you're casually enjoying whiskey and you're getting into the whiskey, you don't want to like drop major dollar initially, right? You want to kind of explore. Well, that's why we're here, to explore. Right. So guys, <laughs> this is our proprietary Caribbean rum blend. This is coming at a 58.3% at its cast strength. That's and this 116 is proof for 116 you non-mathematicians out there. Now, this is coming right out of our ex-bourbon casks at the Balvenie and Glenfiddich distilleries, okay? So the big question we always are asked, what do we do with the rum? Well, Tully XO, as I said, we're selling it back to Guiana, to El Dorado, now as an ex-bourbon cask, um, you know, <laughs> matured rum. For this guy, we used to sell this back to a company called Bristol Spirits in London. But we have since ceased doing that because the demand for how we are now using rum at Balvenie and Glenfiddich has tripled. We're doing a lot of experiments. So we are no longer selling this rum off. We're actually holding on to it. I don't know what the ultimate goal is. That's not been shared with me. But we're no longer selling this back to Bristol. Do you guys want to do a partnership? Uh, yeah, yeah. No! Maybe Sell us a single barrel. How about that? We single want a Kanye single, single barrel. barrel. I will have to talk to the guys in the story. Please. But I, will, I will get back to okay, you. Okay, so but by the looks of it, this is pretty pale. Now, the this is on pretty much a flash finished rum. Flash finished. So this is like six months. Six months. Six months. So very rarely for you rum fans out there are you getting uh, a six month old rum. Yeah. That's usually, usually they like to age it a lot more than that, at least three years or more. So stick your nose in this glass, breathe in gently through your mouth, and share your experience. How is this rum different from the other rums that you love? Is this not the kind of rum that you would want to drink, or is this like something new and wonderful that you definitely want to try more young and I, rums? And I'd actually also offer, is this what you expected what I've described to taste like? You know, did you, did you expect the rum we're using to finish to, to match the Balvenie you just had, and what are the commonalities between those two glasses? This was more minty to me. Yeah. Bless you. I get a lot of it. Smells like uh, Pirat rum. That comes from Ghana as well. Oh, Pirat. Oh, see, now Urban's closing in. He's closing in I on know. Orange and mint. Absolutely. And, and as you said, the orange is definitely coming out in the rum. And so this is where, guys, I'm going to get a little geeky about fermentation, okay? So... You, you know when we ferment, there's always a goal in the, the amount of time in which we ferment. So depending on where we decide to stop fermentation, those are the esters that we're creating that we will eventually, through distillation, highlight, right? It's the big difference between what, you're, what you just had, Balvenie Caribbean cask, they have about a 36 to 38 hour fermentation. So what you're doing is you're developing cereal notes. You're developing honey-like notes, maple notes, all those things that make Balvenie like rich and sweet and deep. The way that when you think about the Balvenie portfolio, it all, it all has that kind of sexy richness to it. Yeah, it's beautiful whiskey. Oh yeah, I mean no one can deny, Balvenie is like top of game, right? Um, and by the way, to give you a, a really quick history lesson, Glenfiddich Single Malt was founded in 1887 by Mr. William Grant, and Balvenie is our sister distillery that was founded in 1892 by Mr. William Grant. So it's this, it, it's literally, we are sister distilleries. We're about a thousand feet from each other. You just walk down the hill, you're at Balvenie. So we share a lot of DNA. And again, we've shared master blenders. So we share a lot of DNA in how the whiskey is made. Now, when it comes to Glenfiddich, we have a 72 hour fermentation. What that means in the life of yeast, which can't be that exciting of a life, but the life oh, of yeast- sounds very exciting very, to me. Get drunk and party and die, right? Oh, right. Um, very LA, by the way. Yeast, yeast is very LA. Um, 
But what we do is we actually, we're pushing, really? Um, you know, do some cocaine, wreck a hotel room. That's how you says. Um, so. Wow. But I'm wow. We just had a roar of approval come up from the back of the room for cocaine and trashing hotel rooms. Okay. Okay. And then I got fired. Anyway. Um, the point being that we at, we at Glenfiddich are pushing the yeast to the very, very, very end of its life. We are taking as much as we can from that yeast. So in the case of Glenfiddich, we're actually building fruity esters. And initially, when you guys on the telly, you notice the pear and the apple. That's very indicative of the Glenfiddich flavor profile. Definitely, definitely. So when you think of Balvenie, cereal, honey, richness, when you think of Glenfiddich, you're thinking of bright fruit, like the springtime, very green notes. Mm -hmm. Now, why am I building a watch to tell you what time it is? Okay? The reason is we just tried the Glenfiddich, or I'm sorry, the Balvenie 14 Caribbean cask, finished in this beautiful rum, and we're about to try the Glenfiddich 21-year-old Grand Reserva, wow. also finished in this beautiful rum. And the beauty of that, and the reason I'm loving doing this tasting right now, we so very rarely get to taste Balvenie and Glenfiddich back to back, and it shows you, as we were mentioning earlier, how fermentation, distillation, and maturation years can affect how much a whiskey is different. So same rum, same time in the finishing cask, entirely different whiskeys. So guys, hold on to your rum. Don't let this one go for a second. I'm off of the rum. I'm getting a great, like, phenol quality. I'm getting the Jamaican influence for sure. It's a little funkier. It's, you get the, these kind of rubbery, phenolic notes. You get the graham cracker in there as well. Definitely graham it's, cracker, yeah. It is something that, it's aggressive rum that I can see causing a strong effect into the barrel very quickly, mm. which makes for a good finishing. Right. Um, all right. And one of the reasons, um, by the way, the Balvenie Caribbean cask is 100% uh, American oak. So there's not no, no Excelerosha Sherry, any of that uh, touching it at all. Um, the one we are about to try, the Glenfiddich 21, is also 100% American oak. So the reason for that is when we're, as you're, as you're pointing out, this very short maturation process for the finishing cask, the Quercus Alba has those big cells. And the rum is gonna be able to penetrate that wood very quickly and achieve the goal of creating a rum cast that we want. If we were forcing this into like French oak or Spanish oak, it's gonna take a lot longer amount of time for the rum to penetrate that wood. So we want to be working with the ex-bourbon because it allows us that flexibility. Mm -hmm. um, so guys, this is by far one of my favorite Glenfiddichs of all time. Um, if you've ever been to a uh, tasting with me, you'll know I will always say this if you remember nothing. It is Glenfiddich. Glenfiddich. Don't be a dick, say Glenfiddich. It's not Glenfiddich, okay? Um, but a long time ago, I had the pleasure of doing a magazine shoot where every person in the shoot was supposed to relate to the Glenfiddich they were drinking. And I actually chose 21 as my Glenfiddich and someone was like, oh, you chose the expensive one. And I was like, no, 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 I am fancy. I was like, no, 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 I chose the one that is sweet but spicy. Ah. Oh, like looks so nice on the outside, but it's real saucy on the inside, right? Um, so the point being here, guys, please take the moment. I know we are moving through these to really, really inhale the aroma of this whiskey before you drink it. Take a minute and then get it all over your tongue so, because it is a dual experience. And it's 21 years old. So we like to encourage people when you're drinking an older whiskey like this, 
Really take your time take with it. Chew on it for 21 seconds, perhaps. Like, really? No, really, if it took 21 years to make, can't you take 21 seconds of your life to try to enjoy it? Yeah. To try to understand it? It's a, it's a really precious and rare single malt scotch coming around. This is super so not a shooter. So wait, I just want to clarify. So the Tully XO was sourcing the rum from Guiana, the El Dorado distillery. The Balvenie Caribbean cask and the one you are trying right now, Glenfiddich 21-year-old, that is our Caribbean blend. So none of that rum is from Guiana. That is all the Caribbean blend rum. No, the, the yeah. Oh, the bear, no, it's only the liquid. We only source the liquid. Only source the liquid. Source the liquid. Yeah, no barrels. Yeah. It's the rum, not the barrel. If guys, again, if you take away one thing, thank you, Prairie, for saying that. We are sourcing the rum liquid, not the rum barrel. That is the through line of all of these. And the reason is, if you look at what we're tasting tonight, the newest expression that we're going to taste last, all of this tradition came from experience. So if you look at like what we learned about rum cast finishing, it goes in order. Balvenie Caribbean 14, Glenfiddich 21, Tully XO, and the last one tonight, Fire and Cane. But that was a learning process. It takes a while to get shit right. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, it takes Absolutely. a while for, yeah, our master blenders, they do a lot of experimentation. They do a lot of R&D. You know, you don't just come out of the womb with perfect, you know, uh, rum cast. It takes a minute, so yeah. So Glenfiddich 21 finished in rum cask that they made, essentially you made your own rum we cask. We made our own rum cask. So remember the third line is the Caribbean cask 14 and the Glenfiddich 21 both use this rum to temper the cask. Now the reason I'm bringing this up, let's go back for a second, let's ruminate. The Caribbean cask 14, rich orange, chocolate, honey, cereal, same rum but the Glenfiddich 21. Very, very, very big stone fruit, coconut, tropical flavors on the nose, right? But when you actually take a sip of it, which I'm going to do. Wow, she sure is spicy. Oh, sure yeah. is tannic. Sure is dry. So what are you guys getting on this 21-year-old Glenfiddich finished, the, the reserve finished in rum? Yeah, so breathing jelly through your mouth. What are you guys getting here? I'm getting a certain kind of funkiness, almost like, leather? yeah, some leather, maybe even like a cheesy note in here. It's a savory, savory quality. Almost like a, or a Parmesan, I'm thinking like almost like a Parmesan in here. I can, I can, yeah. But it's, it's Parmesan and honey, you know, right. and I still have that green apple, the DNA of Glenfiddich well, still comes through. So guys, I'm gonna, I, you, I feel like, I love Pedro so much, he always teased me right up, but the, one of the things when we talk about single malts, and I know this is a, a little bit different from the, the rum world, the reason single malts are so desired is not because they're better whiskeys. Blends are beautiful whiskeys. There's a million beautiful blended whiskeys. But people desire single malts for this, this phrase that we have called distillery character. And distillery character means every single time you pick up a Balvenie, it tastes like a Balvenie. And every single time you pick up a Glenfiddich, you get those pear and apple notes. It's the DNA of our single malt. And if you find one that you love, and you find one that you want to chase, you stick with that single malt because you love that distillery character. Um, so yeah, you can definitely get those obvious Glenfiddich notes, pear and apple. They never leave. And anytime you drink a Glenfiddich, they're going to be apparent in some fashion. Apparent. 
Ha, ha, ha. I'm like dad joke central. I'm, wow. I'm the worst. Wow. You guys, I'm not even a dad, and yet I got all the jokes. <laughs> Twizzler, so raspberry licorice. Um, what else are you guys getting on this 21-year-old lymphatic? For me, the mouthfeel is really different. So take note of the architecture or the texture of this whiskey. How is it different from the other things that we tasted, especially like that first mark, the XO Irish? It's very, very different. Oh, yeah, very different. But the other thing is, I like drinking the Glenfiddich 21 with dessert. Because a lot of times people think pairing like with like is the way to go, and there's nothing wrong with that. But a lot of times, this one goes particularly well with the creme brulee. Because the tannic, ice cream, I can, ice I can cream, have some ice caramel. Cream. Yeah. But the, the, the tannic actually creates a juxtaposition between the sweet, and it, it's really nice, you know? One of the things I always want to stop and like step back for a second, you've probably heard me say this before, Pedro, but only 5% of 5%, let's try that again, only 5% of all single malts ever make it to 20 years. They're usually blended down, right? Um, only 5% of that ever makes it out of Scotland. So you guys in America, because we are one of the, the biggest markets for single malt, we get the lion's share of 20 plus year old whiskeys. We get all the allocated whiskeys. We get all the rare whiskeys in this country. Um, and the, the Glenfiddich 21, we get the lion's share of that across the universe. So. You know, it's it's a treat to drink a 21-year-old whiskey. It's it's people put a lot of years of their life into caring for these barrels yes. and making sure it's and whole towns. Good you stuff. know, it's, it's the yes. history of a town in here in 21 years. I was gonna say one more thing that, you know, older whiskeys are not more expensive because they're better. And I'm always I, I hate the word better. Better the whiskey you like drinking is the best whiskey. The rum you like drinking is the best rum, right? So. The last one I am really excited about, guys, um, and I'm not rushing you. I know we like like hold on to your glasses, like drink slowly. But the savor last this 21-year-old really scotch. Good. The last whiskey we are trying tonight, we put it on the docket uh, at the end because this is a heated whiskey, um, and if you drink it, it will blow out your palate for everything else that came before it. Um, I think this, I'm ready. You think you're ready? I think I can handle it. You're taking like a deep, like a squat, like a deep squat? I'm okay. Gonna, okay. Deep breath at that least. Was, that was not a deep squat, by the way. <laughs> this whiskey is the newest Glenfiddich to hit the market worldwide. Um, if any of you guys are whiskey fans, we released a series uh, about uh, 18 months ago called the Experimental Series. Kind of a playground for Mr. Brian Kinsman to do some of the experiments that he had been doing at the distillery, but actually codify them and bottle them. And this has been a lot of fun. So the first experimental series was IPA. We actually partnered with a beer uh, maker and created a proprietary IPA um, to season casks and then finish our whiskey. Um, so many so the expressions. second one this, uh, the, uh, in the experimental series was a collaboration between 20 whiskey experts and Brian Kinsman choosing 20 casks. Number three never existed. I don't know what the F happened. It just disappeared from like, like time. Number four was Fire and Cane, which is what is in your glass tonight. Now the big joke for Fire and Cane is that it is a collaboration with young Brian Kinsman and old Brian Kinsman. Let me explain. So young Brian Kinsman, when he was first a protege of David Stewart, was working with a lot of peated Glenfiddich. Now I know that sounds kind of weird because we don't really do a lot of peated Glenfiddich, but we, for one week every month, we actually do peat Glenfiddich. And he was messing around with barrels and laying down barrels because whiskey's a long game. Oh yeah. So a lot of times we do stuff that doesn't necessarily make it to your mouth for a lot of years. So this is way, way back in the late 90s, okay? 
So young Brian working with peated, new Brian has been working with non-peated. So what he decided to do was take a peated and an unpeated glymphitic, blend them together in a 60-40 split. So 60% peated casks, 40% okay. unpeated. The peated was about a 40 parts per million. Once we blended it, it came down to about a 20 ppm. And then, I can't confirm or deny <laughs> this, but created a proprietary rum blend from a South American country. <laughs> and took that unaged rum back up to our distillery in Scotland and put it in ex-bourbon American oak casks and created a rum cask finished heated glenfiddich. Wow. Now this is the part where these two guys get annoyed with me. I can't tell you what that rum is. All I can say is, it is a Demerara style rum. Okay. With an intentionally goaty, funky, aggressive flavor. Jamaicans again. Mm -hmm. So the point being, we actually did try to use the rum that you guys drank tonight, um, to use that Caribbean cask and 21-year-old rum to work with the fire and cane. But the problem was the, the peat phenols kept overpowering all the rum, so all you got was smoke. And I tried a lot of the early R&D, and it was like, this tastes like a foot. This is terrible. Like, what's happening? When they finally sourced the South American rum blend, and they finally found this goatee rum, that's when we created the beautiful fire and cane you have in your hand right now. And at this point, with the rum cast finishing, it's about 5 ppm. So for whiskey nerds in the room, 5 ppm is extraordinarily low, but the very little peating, but for Glenfiddich, it's super aggressive peating. It's so. gonna be, for me, there's so much peat on this, it's gonna be really hard to try to ascertain which rum distillery, you know? It's, it's like hard, it's really the smoke is getting in the way of, of what the identity of the rum would be. What do you think, Urban? I was just saying that the, the peat, it's gonna make it hard for me to be able to try to ascertain which rum this is coming out of. Because those phenolics will kind of blend. The smokiness from the peat will mix with the phenolics from the rum. Yes. The, the goal is we were trying to look for a rum that kind of like tasted like an armpit. You know, that was kind of like the goal, you know? Um, so tap this over your tongue, guys, and share some experience here. What are you getting off of this firing cane from Glymphitic? Smoke? I'm getting a little like cheesy funk on this too. Like I'm yeah. getting a little bit of like um, milk chocolate, but also like almost like maybe mozzarella. There's stuff like, like blue cheese funk. And a, a little silly fact. I mean, I, I know we're getting really like, technical and stuff tonight. We like silly facts. I love silly facts. So William Grant had seven sons and two daughters. And his youngest daughter was named Mita. Her name was Margaret, but Mita was her, her nickname. And Mita, in her 20s, actually oversaw the excavation of Speyside Pete for use uh, in Speyside whiskeys. Um, she literally was like, like the female manager of the, of the Pete team. Um, so there's a real history, not only of us having a cooperage, but of us you know, actively being involved in the Speyside you know, Pete game. Oh, as I spill it everywhere. Um, so you know, the, the, the best thing I love about William Grant and Sons, I'm waxing a little poetic, and, and, and David used this phrase uh, with me earlier today, was, First to finish. And first to finish not only represents our background in finishing whiskeys and how we, we kind of led that game, but then also like first to a lot of stuff, first to experimentation, first to you know, uh, you know, aggressive use of peat out of Speyside, 
um, first to playing with whiskey tropes and really collaborating with people. So anytime I get to bring my whiskeys to a new audience and especially a rum audience, it's how much fun is that? You know, I don't Super think I've cool. ever done a rum whiskey tasting. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. I'm covered in whiskey now. This is how I attract the boys. This is how I attract the boys. Hey, boy. Um, uh, but that being said, uh, this is the last whiskey that we're trying tonight, and I, I just kind of want to open the floor to like questions. Yeah. What do you guys? Yeah. What do you guys think about this fire can? There's no age statement here. You yeah. can tell us. You have a sense of how old it's the whiskey is. About five to ten years. Okay. Pedro. Okay. <laughs> All right. What do you guys? What do you guys think about this fire can? Newest expression from Glenfiddich. Love it, oh, yeah. Thank you. What are you reminded of as you're tasting? Is it okay? Beautiful. Be great pairing for a cigar. Smoked gouda with like honey crackers. Smoked gouda with honey crackers. That's great, Simon. Yes. What are you guys getting back there? Anybody else? Fire and cane. Are you, you're doing a cigar. How's it pair with the cigar? It's smoky, a little earthy though. I mm. preferred the other one. Yay! Okay. Oh, okay. Right. Cool. You know, it's funny, um, so we have an ongoing partnership with Alec Bradley Cigars. Um, Alan Rubin, the founder of Alec Bradley, is like dear friend, sweetest guy in the world. Every time we introduce a new uh, Glenfiddich, we actually do a workshop with them, and we invite them to figure out what the perfect cigar pairing is. And they really struggled with this one because this whiskey was so changeable depending mm. on the cigar, and it took them a very long time to find the right pairing. Um, and it, I was there that night, and then I couldn't talk for four days. It was really <laughs> bad. Your cigar um, got, got so, you in the throat, huh? So many cigars <laughs> I had that night. I'm a very tidy lady. Um, so, uh, but you know, I always say, and I, one of the hardest things I think about leading these is your palate and your nose are very suggestible. So the, the second I say honey, you guys, oh, oh honey, you know, right? Mm. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my take on this. I'm a Southern girl. I know I don't sound like it, but I am. But this really reminds me of like like a, a vinegar forward Memphis barbecue, um, because you taste the char, you taste the savory, and then you get that kind of vinegar or sweet bite oh, yeah. that's right on the top. Um, and we have paired this with barbecue, and it's quite. Quite good. Urban was getting eggs and bacon, and what was the third oh, thing? Black Coca-Cola. Oh, so caramel. Yeah. So that's a really cool thing. You guys came out with this really beautiful, complex whiskey that's very much at an entry-level price for folks who are buying single malt, maybe for the first time. This might be a great entry point. And like with a lot of love put into it, and I, th I think that we work really hard to keep our prices low. We don't want our whiskey to not be accessible to people that are entering the whiskey category. We want it to be something that like, Glenfiddich is something that you can have all the time, whether you choose to have the 12 or you choose to have the 40, it can be in your life. Um, and they've made an active choice to keep the prices. I mean, just to, to a reasonable place. Well, yeah. thank you to all the folks at Glenfiddich. That is wonderful. Thank you, You guys, Pedro. let's give it up to Jennifer Wren from Glenfiddich. This is really fun. Really fun. <laughs> Thanks for turning on the Rum Society and all these awesome whiskeys. And wait, 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 wait. We gotta give a big round of applause not only to my ever-present companion, Pedro, but the staff here at Kanya and Urban yeah. for joining us. Thank, Thank you, you so much for having us. They really work hard. They really work hard. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. The Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post-production and audio services. The show is produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan. Executive producer, Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spirit Guide SOC. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking, and more. 
And if you're still thirsty, you can always find more episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to always drink responsibly. That means don't drink to forget. Drink to remember. <laughs>